And now it's time for another Power Play Post Show interview exclusive. Welcome back, everybody, to the Power Play Post Show. Excited to have this gentleman back on the show. It's uh, been a little while since we've had him on, but uh, always a pleasure to get to talk to him. He is the radio play-by-play broadcaster, and he does so much more as well within the world of sports. But he is their radio play-by-play broadcaster for the Utica Comets. He, of course, is Brendan Burke. Brendan, welcome back to the show. It's always a pleasure to get to talk to you. Hey, thanks, Bob. I think the last time we were on, we were talking about just the very start of this franchise. So it, uh, it's been quite a couple of years. Yeah, it really has. And, you know, it's, it's kind of funny because people do talk about that first 10 games of the franchise and how they couldn't get a win. And since then, they have been really honestly one of the most productive franchises as a team in the American Hockey League that we've seen in the past two years. Yeah, I mean, I think that, uh, you know, you go back to last season, obviously the first 10 games without a win is something that sticks out. But then uh, they kind of turned a corner in January. And they actually got beat pretty badly. Uh, I believe they gave up eight goals and just got smacked by Albany one night at the odd. And ever since then, they've been, I, I, I could go back and do the math, but maybe the best team in American Hockey League getting back to the middle of last season. It's just been uh, an incredible run where you've gotten the same coaching staff here for back-to-back years. You've got a good group of core players. Uh, and of course, the addition of Jacob Markstrom on the roster here this season is, is certainly not a bad thing. So, um, you put all that together and it, it really does seem like this season picked up where last season went off. And the comments felt like if they had another couple of weeks to that season, you know, they would have gotten in the playoffs and could have been a dangerous team. But, uh, they came into this year and, and really have been in first place wire to wire. And now we're here in the conference final. Yeah, and it's strange too because I think when you look at the the beginning of these these playoffs, it took them five games in the first round, seven games in the uh, second round. But this is a team that's probably continuing to learn, just like Travis Green is learning as a head coach in the American Hockey League. This team is learning, and so sometimes these five game series or the seven game series is kind of important to that learning process. Yeah, I mean it's certainly not a bad thing uh, as long as you get out of them. Five games and seven game series are okay as long as you're on the right end of it. So. Um, you know, you go through it, you learn how to play, you know, in elimination games. And, and that's part of it. I think that, you know, the, the first round and the second round mirrored each other in, in one similar way is that they, they had a chance in game four in the first round and game six in the second round. They yep. closed it out at home and they didn't get it done. But their response was to come back out and play one of their best games of the series in game five and game seven, respectively. You know, and that's why they're still playing. I think that, you know, Jacob Markstrom had such a special performance in game seven against Oklahoma City. I mean, a one nothing shutout win in game seven. It's hard to top that, uh, and that game was scoreless all the way until about five minutes to go in the third period. So uh, that was just a special game and a special night at the odd, and this team, you know, it continues. It, it's been building, like you said, and a learning process throughout the season, and, and I think when you get down to the playoffs and where we are now, it's, it's all about what you have accomplished throughout the season and what you can take with you here into the next game and into the next round, and, and, and here we are, game three. It's it's kind of strange, Brendan, because I don't think people would have looked at Utica, New York as a city and a fan base that would just so gravitate and be so passionate so quick with the return of the American Hockey League. Other cities have had American Hockey League return um, when, it, when it's been gone. But for some reason here in Utica, you know, with the Utica Comets, this fan base in the city has really... Really, really taken on very strong. Can can you put into words what you and the organization have seen from these fans, the business of people, the community that has supported this team in such a short time? It, it really is hard to put into words what they have done and how quickly they have embraced this team and, and how incredibly supportive they have been, not only on a personal level, but from a, a financial level with business and corporations and, and really just the entire area. I think that, you know, that... 
the Utica area was was right for something to come in and let the people of Utica have you know something of their own and something to believe in. And there's so much of you know Utica. If you're in Utica and you're in Central New York and, and you kind of oh you've got this you know Syracuse basketball football teams in terms of the collegiate you know team that's what they they root for and you've got you know some minor league teams in Syracuse and you've got some different things in the area. But there was nothing truly Utica's own yeah. um, except for the D three college hockey team was there and they supported that one terrifically well. So um, and they still do. They still do. So I think that um, one of the things that Rob Ash saw when he, he wanted to, to bring a team here was that he knew it could work because of how, how much success, uh, you know, with the fan base that would come to watch, you know, D3 college hockey and a good D3 college hockey. But um, there's obviously some sort of uh, unknown when it comes to raising a ticket from, you know, I think it was $5 per, per seat and students free for a college hockey game that was selling out to, you know, what we're asking people to do. But um, from the very first moment they announced the team and, and really, I think that, you know, our ticket sales staff has done a great job, and, and not to take anything away from them, but all they do is answer phones all day. People just call and call and call and walk in and buy season tickets, and uh, it's just been a tremendous couple of years. And and I'll be honest with you, Bob, I thought at some point it would plateau. Yeah. Already. already. Um, you know, some point in the first year, maybe in the middle of the second year, uh, I, I, there is a realistic chance that the Utica Comets have to cap their season tickets next year. And that's that's the truth behind it is that you know they're closing in on probably close to three thousand seats, wow. which is wow, which is too much, which is just as high as they're wanting to go with a thirty eight hundred seat building. So um, there is a realistic opportunity that we want to capping season tickets for next year. And fans, for the fans out there that don't understand why they would do that, it's because you don't want to turn away walk ups, and it's really difficult. You want to be able to have a game where a fan can walk up and still buy a ticket and see a game. If if you sell every single ticket as a then you are just defined to one, you know, set of uh, fan base, and you don't really want to do that. So that's the reason why teams have to cap it off at, at a certain point. Now, I guess my question to you is this: Do you think if that that arena fit 500 or 700 more uh, fans, they would still be able to sell out all, all the games that they've sold out? Yeah, I mean, I think that, like I said, a lot of it is just people coming up and buying tickets. I, I don't think that there's really an aggressive, uh, you know, sales force to try and sell it. And obviously there are groups, and, and, and on some nights, on Tuesdays and Wednesdays in the middle of January and February, yeah, it's difficult. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, we had 38 home games. We sold out 26 of those. Uh, we have had nine playoff games so far. I've sold out all nine playoff games. Uh, every time we put tickets on sale for any sort of event, there's a line out to the street waiting for tickets to be, you know, put on sale. And I think, that, uh, you know, if there, if there were some more seats, I don't think it would be a problem. I, I don't know how, how big you would want to go or how many more you would have to have, but, it's such a small market, but I, I, the passionate fans that are there, and it's, you know, uh, people that watch live hockey games and are season ticket holders, and uh, you guys know it. it. There's nothing like it. It, it only mm-hmm. takes one game, one good hockey game for, for somebody to come in and watch and go, man, I wouldn't mind coming to this 35 more times. So um, I, I think the playoffs, too, right now are selling a lot of season tickets. Just like people, you know, whether a, a friend gets them a ticket or they happen to find a way in the door, uh, all they do is come once and they want to come back again. I think it's amazing what they've done there so far. Now, on the flip side of that, you guys obviously played in the last round against a team and a city that has now going to, you know, basically lost their their hockey team. You've been there as in the sense that you saw the Peoria Rivermen go from one league down to the SPHL, so you can kind of you can kind of empathize a little bit with the Oklahoma City Barons fans and even the staff there because there are some really great staff members there. You know, you know Jim Byers and of course you know Josh Evans and some of the people that you and I have probably worked with, you know, for for years and everything. You can empathize what they kind of have gone through. 
Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a terrible situation. And, and like you said, years ago, I was with the Peoria Urban, and, and they lost their team. And, and you mentioned them going to the SPHL, but at the point when we lost our team in Peoria, that didn't exist. Yes. It wasn't, uh, they're just transitioning into a lower league. There was a, a good month or two where there was no hockey team and no real plan to have another one, which was really hard to see, you know, for a market that had been at that point, I believe it was 31 consecutive years between the IHL, the ECHL, and the AHL. It was a, it was a great hockey market. And to lose the team, and I know Oklahoma City is dealing with something, you know, very similar to that because uh, they don't have right now any plans in place to have a professional hockey team there next year. And this is a team that dates back all the way through the Central League and had really great, you know, hockey fans and great support uh, throughout the years. And right now they're looking at, you know, a lot of uncertainty towards towards the future. So I I, I do I feel for them, I feel for the fans, the people that work there, and, and, and obviously the people like you mentioned, Josh and Jim, and those guys that that don't have a job at the end of the day. I mean, that's, that's what happened to me in Peoria is you just kind of all of a sudden they tell you one day that your team's gone and, and thank you for your time and good luck in the future. And you all of a sudden you don't know where you're going. I was fortunate enough to, to jump onto a team uh, that expanded in, in central New York and, and didn't miss a season at all. But, you know, that's not the same for everybody. And certainly, um, obviously, the people in, in Oklahoma City are dealing with that and not only them, but, you know, Worcester's dealing with a certain situation, uncertain yep. situation. Manchester's still involved in a Calder Cup run, but they're going to be in the ECHL next year in Norfolk and you know, the, all really the five teams that are either changing leagues or losing their teams altogether. It's, uh, you know, it, it's certainly a terrible loss. And obviously there are some, there are five markets that are going to be gaining teams, but, um, you know, it's a tough situation if you're a part of it. Oh, it's a transition that I think everybody in the American Hockey League just has to get used to. And it's not an easy thing. And, uh, you know, like in my case, I, I feel for a lot of these cities because I have connections and relationships with some of the people in these cities and everything. Let me ask you this. Is Grand Rapids the toughest team you guys have now faced? I mean, should we expect seven games because that team is so good, especially offensively, and it's going to take a lot of concerted effort by Utica to really kind of slow down the offense of the Grand Rapids Griffins? Yeah, I think that, you know, at this point with, with uh, having the first two rounds so 12 games total, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't suggest anything other than seven games in this series. Um, Grand Rapids offense is probably the best we face, and it's still kind of hard to, to really understand how good they are. You look at the numbers, and, and I think that um, I was expecting uh, I was expecting a very, very tough series in terms of I didn't know if Utica could match up against Grand Rapids without seeing them head-to-head. I mean, we had seen them twice in January. Uh, that was pretty much it, and it was hard to kind of gauge anything off that. But, uh, game one kind of showed me that the Comets can play with the Griffins, uh, even with that high-flying offense and the Timu Polkins and the Andreas Athanasius and, of course, Larkin coming in and the emergence of Tyler Bertuzzi here wow. from Grand Rapids, uh, they've got some firepower. But when Utica plays their game the way they'd like to, mm-hmm. you get what you get in game one, and that's a 2-1 win for Utica. So if they can stay out of the penalty box, keep those guys off the power play, Jacob Marston has his head on straight, uh, and the Comets get a few goals because that's where it comes into that they struggle to score goals, and not just now but all season long. And, and if the Comets can get a few goals and play strong defense, uh, you know, they can win this series. I think the game, game two was, was not their best effort. They made a lot of mistakes and, and, and a bunch of those mistakes wound up in the back of the net and all of a sudden it was four nothing and they came back and lost four to two. But, um, if, if the Comets don't turn some bad pucks over, uh, and Jacob Marston has one of his better games as opposed to the opposite end of the spectrum like we saw in game two, I think the Comets could have won that game too. So, um, I expect to see, you know, a, a two teams that play and if they're both playing at their best, it's going to be some very exciting hockey to watch. 
Uh, let me ask you this question. Obviously, you guys got him for about 20 games at the end of the regular season. He gave uh, 16, uh, 16.7 goals and 9 assists, but only 2 points in the playoffs. Corey Conacher, what has he still meant to this team in the playoffs? I mean, he's got experience under his belt playing in the NHL and whatnot, but he really hasn't produced any points. But then, really, has anybody really produced a lot of points for the Utica Comets and are still winning? Yeah, I mean, that's the thing is that this team is built on goaltending and defense, and that's the way they've won hockey games all season long. But Corey Conacher had a great end of the season. Him, he and Ben Berkey both, uh, the acquisition of those two guys uh, on the, the 2nd of March on the trade deadline, uh, that was huge for this team, yeah. for sure. But, um, you know, Corey's a guy that even when he is not necessarily contributing on the score sheet, he's still up up, up among the league leaders in shots on goal when it comes to the, the Calder Cup playoffs. He's still getting his nose dirty. He loves to agitate the other team. He draws a lot of penalties. He does board check hard. He throws his, his weight around even though he's only five feet eight inches tall. Yep. Uh, but he is, he is a very active player and a guy that even though he may not be scoring, uh, he is still a very big part of this hockey game. Oh, without a doubt. And, and I also feel the same way about Cal O'Reilly. He may not score a lot of goals, but he's the captain. When he came on this team last year, I think that was another uh, point when it, when it started to make the turnaround uh, for the team. I've had him and Brenda DeFaggio both here on the Power Play Post Show, Paul Gerard, the assistant coach. And it feels like there's a, there's a certain characteristic about each player and whatnot on this team. It's more like a, it's a, like they're all calm. They're, no one's, I mean, even Corey Conacher in that sense, not, yeah, Adam Clendenning, I had him on the show when he was, you know, on, on a previous team. These are all good character guys that are calm. I don't think they get rattled too easily. No, they don't. And, and they, uh, you mentioned all those guys and, and certainly the way this team is built. And I say from the goaltending on out, but what that really means is this team rolls four lines. They roll 60. They have two goalies that they're comfortable with playing either one of them. And on top of that, they've got some reserves. And they all play, and they're all contributing. And it's not just, uh, well, we've got two great lines that are going to score a lot of goals, and we're going to hold on for dear life with the other six. Uh, they're getting a lot of offense from their defense. Uh, so they, they really are a complete team. Uh, you know, they won, they won 47 games. They had 103 points. And they didn't blow anybody out all season long. I mean, really, uh, I lost my voice a number of occasions because it is tense all the way to the end every single night with this team. Uh, they played more one-goal games. I think the number was 43 or 44 one-goal games during the regular season, more than anyone else in the American Hockey League. And every single game here, Bobby, if you look at the playoffs, and you look at the five-game first round against Chicago, the seven-game second round against Oklahoma City, that's 12 total games. Out of those 12 games, yeah. if you take away the two empty net goals that the Comets scored, one in game five of the first round, mm-hmm. one in game five of the second round, Every single win for the Comets came by one goal, and every single game, other than that, except for a 7-4 loss in Game 4 against Oklahoma City, was a one-goal game. That is all they do. They play tense, they play nail-biters, and with that, with the experience of doing that all season long into the playoffs, the team doesn't get rattled. They're, yeah. they're very calm, uh, even if they're down a goal in the third period, it's just the way they play. And so I think that that alone uh, has to be an advantage moving deeper and deeper into the playoffs as the team, you know, they've been here before, they're used to close games, and they don't get rattled by it. Brendan, let me ask you on a, on a personal side. I, I know you have a, a, a new little one at, you know, at the home and everything. Do, I mean, you, you obviously want a very long uh, playoff run for the team, the organization, and everything. But i got to imagine being on the road a little bit, you, you, you probably miss your little one and everything. How's everything going there? Yeah, it's, it's been great. It's been tough. She's, she's 10 months old. She was born in July. We timed yep. pretty well for the off season of last year. Uh, and then this season has been uh, just the season that never ends. And, I, and from somebody who is used to very long summers, yeah. Somebody who spent five years in Peoria yep. uh, and only saw the playoffs twice, and they were both first-round exits. 
it is it is nice to still be playing. When you look at it uh, from the perspective of there are 26 other broadcasters who are sitting at home right now and only four guys still getting to do what they love to do, uh, it's hard to complain about that. So uh, while I'd love to be at home and, and have uh, my wife and my daughter with me at all times, uh, my wife is a saint. She's been dealing with uh, being a single mom here for most of the hockey season, just waiting for me to come home and help her out. <laughs> and, and every time uh, it goes to a game five or a game seven and she's uh, half hoping we'll win and half hoping I'll be home with nothing to do the next day, uh, she's, she's all smiles when the comments move on. And, and, and on, on a similar personal note, uh, she happens to be from the Utica area. Yes. And so what this team has done for, for a community that she grew up in, uh, and in an area that, that is dear to her heart is, is something special as well for her. Well, without a doubt and everything, but I, I just wanted to, the reason, and the other reason why I wanted to bring it up is I want the fans to realize that even the broadcasters are away from their family, and it's, it's an important thing to acknowledge that because it's not just the players, it's not just the coaches, there's support staff, equipment managers, they're all away from their family as well. And, and even though you want to you want to win and you want to go all the way and win that championship, there's always that little baby that thinks that, you know, thinking about the family at home as well and everything. Brendan, to, to, to kind of top this off, for everybody out there who obviously wants to listen, obviously the HL Live is there, but in the Utica area, what radio station are you guys going to be on this weekend? Yeah, we're on 94.9 K-Rock and uh, krock.com. For those who want to stream it, we'll be on there. And then I'm still getting trying to get word uh, on whether or not we're going to be picked up on TSN 1410 in Vancouver. We had a lot of games nice. around uh, on TSN out there, so hopefully we'll get, uh, get the, uh, the Vancouver folks uh, on board as well for this route. Without a doubt, and that's very awesome. And you get to uh, be in the same uh, broadcast area as Bob Kayser, one of the best uh, broadcasters in the American Hockey League. And uh, uh, do me a favor, and if you pop over there, let them know I said hello. And uh, uh, have, a, have a great time this weekend. And uh, hopefully we get to talk to you maybe next round and uh, maybe some thoughts on something else. But uh, you guys got to get through uh, a few more games there um, against Grand Rapids. And, uh, Brendan, as always, thank you very much. Hey, happy to do it, Bob. Thanks for having me. And we'll be right back right after this, right here on the Power Play Post Show. Thanks for listening to this Power Play Post Show interview exclusive. Remember to join Bob and Megan every Thursday night for an all-new edition of the Power Play Post Show.